For her birthday, I took my girl, Katie, to Arizona so we could stay with some friends of hers to spend a few weeks partying and getting crazy and stuff before heading back to school for the year. We drove up in my dad's car. It's a really old Ford make. It's pretty beat up. The road there was bumpy and long. Our relationship seemed at its strongest on the road. We were really in love. That was the first time I realized that. I had never truly been in love before. We were about halfway there when we realized we were going to run out of gas long before the nearest petrol pump. Katie's head was out the window, sunglasses on and the blistering heat outside. Nothing but the wild desert landscape to be seen in all directions. We became frantic. We hadn't seen another car on the road in almost an hour. What if he broke down here, in the middle of the desert, with no food or water, with no one out there to find us? I sped up slightly, driven by fears. It was then that we came across the gas station, smack bang in the middle of nowhere, in dry, empty nowhere. It was an old, worn-down servo, long, yellow grass blew in the breeze beneath it. Outside were two rusted gas pumps. At first, we didn't know if it was occupied. It seemed so lifeless. But as we pulled up and saw the petrol stains in the dirt, we were convinced otherwise. Katie started refilling the car, and I went inside to pay, grabbed something to eat in the road. When I first went to open the door, it jammed. This perturbed me, so I looked up at the sign to check. It was reassured the store was open according to the torn sign that hung in between the dull yellow curtains of the door window. I pushed harder and harder with effort, got into the shop. Inside it was totally abandoned and left to ruin. Complete aisles lay on the ground. The fridges were smashed and the glass coated on the floor. Despite the brightness outside, the interior of the gas station was dark and bitterly cold. Then there came, from behind me, this quiet weeping like a child I felt my heart race it was coming from the back room I stepped over the smashed glass and twisted metal remnants on the floor over where the patches of grass had grown through I ran my hand along the wall and felt the crisscross of ivy beneath my fingers it was overgrown there came the crying again and now I was facing the back room door it was directly in front of me. I pushed the door open, and it creaked with rust in its joints. Inside there lay several wooden steps into the basement. It was pitch black, and the smell was horrific. The drip drop of water alerted me to the fact the basement was flooded. The water was up to my knees. Again, there came the crying, and a small splash in the far corner of the basement. Hello? I called out. Is anybody there? I started approaching the corner. The smell was horrible, and cold water eventually got to me. The sobbing was getting louder. In the corner, I swore I saw something move amongst the shadows. Hello? I called again. What's wrong? I finally reached the corner, still dark. I had to bend down to avoid the pipes, which leaked down my back and trickled down my spine. The figure in front of me was very small and black. Hunched over, sobbing quietly, head in its hands. Why are you down here? I whispered. Then it stopped moving completely. It was totally still. 
All noise seemed to cease, but for the quiet dripping of a broken pipe somewhere behind me. I outstretched my arm to touch his tiny shoulder, but it then began to slowly turn in my direction, to look me eye to eye. As its face swiveled around to look into mine, I remembered screaming, and swinging my head up in recoil, cracking it on the pipes above. The face was white as a sheet, pale like a hideous moving mask. The eyes and mouth were completely black holes, huge and widening even as I looked at them. They were so huge, they almost consumed its entire face. As I desperately tried to escape, it splashed towards me at rapid speed, uncurling its long, thin fingers. It was wailing now, staring into me with its huge black eyes, and as I scrabbled up the stairs with great difficulty, I felt my legs begin to give way beneath me. It sprinted out of the water and up the stairs toward me. I slammed the door, flipping the lock and tore out of the store, into the old Ford. Katie began to laugh when she saw me, jeans wet, trembling with sweat soaking my chest, but I grabbed her and screamed at her to drive. For about a half an hour, I could barely tell her what had happened in the store. She listened and gave me a look of sheer horror. When I finally gave in and told her everything, she pulled the car to the side of the road and began to cry herself. I asked what was wrong. She said, I saw something while we were gone, when you were in the store. I was just putting the pump back on when I saw this little girl and a man, her father, I guess. The father stared at me with blank eyes and a hanging jaw. But the girl, oh God, the girl. Her face, I couldn't see any hair on her. And her skin was so deep, not dark, like a colored girl, but dark like a shadow. And her smile just shone through the window. I convinced myself it was a trick of the eye and looked away. When I looked back, they were gone. Then a little while later, you came back. It was dust by now. We had nowhere to stay. We had not traveled nearly as much as we hoped the day, and the nearest motel meant going back past the gas station. So we just drove up the roadside where we were in the clearing a little way up, where people camp sometimes. We had obviously come the night after a big party. There was broken glass everywhere. When we arrived, however, it was empty. After a while, I tried to reassure her that we were okay. I calmed her down, put my arms around her, and we started to kiss. I moved to get closer to her when she suddenly screamed like hell itself. It's her! It's her! She screamed, fumbling to start up the engine. I turned in time to witness a small black face grinning literally ear to ear with only darkness inside. It was crawling into the car through my open window with its limbs splayed out like an insect. It had too many limbs, way too many long arms. The fingers feeling my face like antennae. We sped off back down onto the road. Back on the road, nothing seemed right. There were no stars. That was when I noticed first. I was too shaken to think much about it, but there were no clouds that could be blotting them out. It was just a vast night sky, devoid of all light. Then a few minutes after, we had began driving forward, still sweating and breathing heavy. We passed the gas station. My heart skipped a beat. The gas station was at least a half an hour away in the opposite direction. All the lights were on, and I saw the door sliding open. As we shot past it, Katie was in such hysterics, she found it hard to keep driving. We stopped the car in the middle of the desolate road. 
I decided we should switch seats so I could drive. She shuffled across from her seat to mine, and I opened the door to get out. As soon as I was outside, the foul stench of a basement overwhelmed me. I gagged, then vomited down the side of the car. It was then that I noticed the runner, a pale white thing, sprinting toward us through the fog, its limbs practically a blur. I could make out no face. How long had it been following us? Running after us in the night? I got into the driver's seat as quickly as possible. We drove off again, not talking. Katie whimpered and I silently prayed. Then we passed the gas station again. The door was open now. There were two figures standing at the door, waiting. As we forced ourselves on, we both became aware of a soft, barely audible weeping in the back seats. Neither of us dared to turn around. Ignore it, I whispered. My trembling hands gripped the steering wheel. Katie was curled in the fetal position, holding her head in her hands. The wailing increased, becoming extremely loud, ear-piercing and horrific. Finally, I ordered myself to end it and look behind me. For a split second, I thought it was a girl in a white dress looking back up at me. But she was gone as soon as she had appeared. I checked the seats carefully. There was nothing. In my tiredness and fear, I had completely lost track of the road. I drove on, and all through the night, Katie whimpered. I touched her once, but she screamed. I never tried again after that. The noises from the back seat started up again. We passed the gas station twice more. The people at the door were closer and clearer every time. The finest slither of red light had begun to settle on the horizon. It was still dark as hell, but at least I was able to see the road ahead of me now. Katie had been silent, face concealed under her hands for some time. I decided to check the time, so I turned on the radio. At first, it was only ecstatic, instead of time or anything at all. The digital clock simply appeared black. I fiddled the dial, trying to change the station. In between the static, I found only one audible channel. It had a high-pitched buzz in the background. A man was muttering names and numbers under his breath. 29. Lucy. 30. Adam. 31. Katie. I switched back to static. I knew which name was next. When we got back to Katie's friend's house, it was morning. It was overcast and everywhere had the smell of rain on it. Her friends weren't home. Katie's friends lived way out in the country, with no one else around in a mile. The grass was climbing the walls outside. How long have they been out? As soon as we were inside, Katie started whimpering again. I realized that while she had been silent, she was biting on her lip. Blood was trickling down her chin, and the skin around her mouth was torn and chewed through. She grabbed the newspaper and some masking tape off the table and began blocking out the windows. After the night's events, I didn't know whether I should be insane to join her or stop her. I simply watched. She covered the windows, jammed the door, and turned the lights off. For some time, it could have been minutes or hours, we sat silent in the dark. I offered to turn the television on. Katie said nothing, sitting blank and comatose. I turned the TV on anyway. A grainy black and white image flickered to life before us. A white face with empty eyes and an impossibly huge smile flashed up. The smile growing wider and wider the longer we stared into it. There came the sound of weeping from the television. Or in the house? I couldn't tell. We turned off the TV. 
It's been three whole days now. I haven't seen Katie at all today. She spends her time in the closet, crying. I once tore the door open and screamed at her. She screamed back, her face contorting into something grotesque and inhuman. I slammed it in her face. The phone rings, often. A voice, my mother's I believe, whispering under its breath. I can only catch snippets of what it says. Sometimes in the background, I hear quiet <laughs> chuckling. I hang up without saying a thing, usually. The bathroom is shining white. I hear the shower running. It will walk in to find nothing. Nothing at all. Then, when I'm in the bathroom, I'll hear the TV flick back on. It always goes to the face. In the background, there are muttering noises now. I've called the police, twice. All I get is the whispering woman's voice. I called Katie's friends too, just as fruitless. There are knocks at the door a lot now. Through the newspaper, on the other side of the window, I see her hands slam against the glass and slide down. They do this for hours on end sometimes. They press their eyes on the glass through the holes in the newspaper. At night we hear screaming from the guest room. I boarded it up. Sometimes I find tiny pieces of glass on the ground. A leak sprung up about a day ago in my room downstairs. Black spots of mold appear on the walls. There is a smell throughout the house, seeping into my room. The odor of decay. I pray. I pray hopelessly, and I wish. I swear to God. I wish. That I had never gotten out of that car.